right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Come on in. Welcome. Thanks for making the choice to join us today in worship. We got a lot of fun stuff happening here today. We are honoring graduates today. And so in tandem with that, we have invited our youth group to help lead us um, throughout our worship service today. Um, trust me, they're well prepared. It's going to be a great time together. I, I do hope that you have come today with an open heart and open mind to whatever it is the Lord wants to say to you, wants to do in your life, and maybe even wants to accomplish through you today. Um, but again, welcome. Thanks for coming and joining us today. I also hope that you received one of these on your way in. Please take some time to look through it. Uh, I believe that it's got very helpful information about lots of stuff happening here, especially as we're looking into the summer, including some camp stuff. And as I mentioned last week, if you haven't decided on what your kids are doing for camp, now's the time to be figuring it out. It's uh, Summer is on us, right? We're in, heading into the last week of school. Um, so summer is here. Yes, I got a hallelujah from one teacher. Can I get a second on that? Official motion is on the floor. Everybody's excited. Okay. Um, one of the things that uh, I have the privilege of doing, and this is our second year to do this, is I get to lead our teen Bible quizzing team. So hence my shirt that I'm wearing today. This is our team shirt. So I want to invite our Bible quizzers up here. I just want you to see how awesome our team looks. So come on up, teen quizzers. I think there's a couple of them backstage, my sons. So Benjamin Jackson, come on out as well. How about this? Pretty awesome looking group, right? Um, this year we studied, so we, we start in August and we, and we're not done yet. And we have been going through first and second Corinthians all year. And I want you to, and every month we have a quiz meet. It's a statewide quiz meet. Um, so Nazarene churches that are participating in teen quizzing come together. I want you to know that our church went undefeated this year and we are... The champs. Here, you can hold that. Um, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to prep Jack on this, but so Jack, come forward, stand right here, front and center. This guy was the number one quizzer in the whole state. <clears throat> and uh, so, what I want you to do, Jack, just to kind of help them to, to experience a little bit of what you've studied. Can you quote for us all of 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Okay. Can you quote most of it? Yes, you can. Go, just give us some verses out of 1 Corinthians 13. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it 
does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Okay. Yeah. Good job. Put him on the spot. This coming weekend is regionals. So those of you that are heading to the regional quiz meet, will you just take a couple steps forward so we can see you? So six of our quiz team are heading to uh, Nampa, NNU, and, okay, there you go. We got some NNUers here. Where they will be quizzing against quizzers from Alaska, Montana, uh, Washington, Oregon, um, Idaho, Wyoming. I think there's like seven states coming together for this region. And... um, if, uh, and so we have a chance to be regional champions this coming weekend, and then some of them will qualify to go to the world quiz happening this summer in Indianapolis. So let's congratulate them one more time. Thank you, guys. You are awesome. You can have a seat. Thank you. Uh, yes, thank you. And then throughout our worship time this morning, when you hear my voice speaking, what I'm doing is I've, I've asked our quizzers to, to turn in some, some just short paragraphs, some thoughts about what, how First and Second Corinthians has impacted them this year. So you're just going to hear some, some of the quizzers' hearts um, coming through our worship time today. So when you hear my voice, it's, it's actually our quizzers uh, sharing with us today. I think that's it. So I want to ask you to stand, greet a few folks. We're going to welcome each other into worship today, and then let's celebrate. All right. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about his sufferings. And he explains that he had received 40 lashes minus one five separate times. Through the course of this year, we talked about the fact that the minus one was interesting because if the one giving the lashes had miscounted and given one too many, then he would receive unto himself that same punishment. I wonder if we would be willing and able to suffer for Jesus. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9 talks about the importance of sowing and reaping. When you sow bad or good, money or time or whatever, you will receive back in the same amount sparingly, or generously. He does not want you to give reluctantly 
because he loves a cheerful giver. So let's worship him today with all we've got. Oh, oh, oh. 
Paul wrote First and Second Corinthians. They weren't separated into different chapters. So when I think of chapters 12 and 13 and 14 of 1 Corinthians, for instance, I see it as one continuous thought. Chapters 12 and 14 talk about gifts of the Spirit. But 13, sandwiched in between them, talks about love, showing us that without love, we are nothing. So if you operate in spiritual gifts but don't have love, it really doesn't do much good. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That tells me that God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son so that we could believe in him and have all of eternity with him.
Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. You see, life can start to feel kind of slow or stagnant at times, especially when you're just in the middle of a season of life. But these verses have been reminding me that in relationship with God, I'm always moving forward towards being the person that he wants me to be and living the life that he wants for me. Um, this next song is new, brand new. We've never done it here before. If you don't know it, it's called Build My Life. Um, and I chose this song for this morning um, because this song talks about releasing your life and your path into his, into Christ's hands. It talks about choosing to build your life on his love, um, choosing to follow his leading, um, and it asks him to lead us to other people that need him. And so this song is really powerful for me right now as a graduate. Um, the song is, is my declaration that I'm going to, to follow him, to go where he takes me, to go to the people he is leading me to, um, and to trust him, to trust that where he leads me, he's going to keep me safe, he's going to provide for me. His love is a firm foundation. So if you don't know this one, um, I invite you to just let the words wash over you. Just enjoy it. Just um, interpret it. Decide what it means for you right now in your phase of life. Here we go. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
sing this one more time. And I will build my life upon your love. It is my firm foundation. And I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. One of the things I learned about this year was how to live for God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks to us about the importance of maturing in Christ. But I think that it was 1 Corinthians 13 that really spoke to me. It tells us that if we can do all of these awesome things spiritually or even physically, but do not have love, it is basically worthless. Nothing you can do honors God unless it is through love. For love is patient kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. you in the 
church, we're going to enter in a time of prayer. Um, for that, I ask that the seniors come down to this step right here and be followed by their families. And we honor them and pray for them as they are headed off, headed away, headed here, but headed into a new chapter in their lives. Come on down to your family. If you guys, you can face me and your family, just circle around them and lay hands on them. We're going to pray for these guys. Center in a time of prayer. Church, let's join, join these families as we pray for these seniors now and in the future. Keep these guys in mind. They might be traveling far, maybe not, but they're headed off. Let's pray for these guys right now. Lord, we just sing about walking on the waters. We sing about trusting you. Lord, I pray that you're with these guys in a, in a new and powerful way that that is unmistakably you. Lord, I, I pray that we as a church can surround these guys and then strengthen them and embolden them the days ahead as they embark on their life path and their journey. Whether it, whether wherever they're at right now, if it's with anxiety, with stress, or they're indifferent, or they're excited, this is a big step, Lord. And Lord, I pray that your presence is felt in the days and the years up, up ahead in their lives and that we as a church family can surround them and love on them, can pray for them as they go, that they'll be supported by us and their families that are here up at the front. There's a quote that says, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and do that because the world needs people who have come alive. And Lord, you said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to bring life. And in the days ahead, as these guys are making decisions and choices and pathways and navigate through all of that, that you will give them life. You will give them the passions we already know we, you've given them talents in the days ahead that will help them navigate and choose and decide. First and foremost, your peace that passes all understanding to be upon their lives as they embark, as they go, as they stay, whatever they do. We love you, Lord. We are so thankful for the, the light that you have shown through these seniors already, I've been blessed by their lives, their contributions to even just the youth ministry and, and, and the leadership they have within the group. Continue to expand that in their lives as they go out, as they find new groups to influence and new groups to be leaders of and new people 
And I pray that you go on ahead of these guys and prepare people in their lives that they can go to, they can be friends with, that they can be lifted up with, that are Christian, that look to you, that follow you. Prepare a place for these guys where they're headed with friends, with mentors, with people they can look to and go to in times of need. Lord, let us be that for these guys and others that might come to our community. Give us strength to be the people we need to be in the face of times these seniors might be dealing with. We love them. We know that you love them. Continue to be with them on their journey. And be with us as a church on ours. In your name we pray. can head to your seats. Um, Terry Miller is going to come. She probably just got done praying for her daughter, so hopefully she's good to speak. She's going to share a little bit on Zuni. We are going back to Zuni, Zuni this summer, um, and if you're good to, uh, going to share some of the needs, I believe, that uh, we need for the, for the Zuni folks. Yeah, for the I don't know if it's should be yeah. for the last um, two years. This will be the third year um, that we'd be going on a mission trip to Zuni with the youth group, and I've had the incredible privilege. Sorry, I'm just a little weepy. <laughs> incredible privilege to go along with the youth group, and it has been such a gift, particularly with the group of senior girls that um, have just been an incredible blessing to um, the children, the children at the children's home um, where we have served and worked and um, the families and the children in Zuni and those, man, those senior girls. Oh, I hope y'all are going to go this summer <laughs> before you head out. But for those kiddos that are up and coming, it's an incredible opportunity. Um, I think it's very, very life-changing. I know for our family it's been life-changing to serve um, at the children's home, which is about 45 minutes away from Zuni. The children's home is um, an orphanage in the truest sense of the word um, because most of the kids cannot be adopted because um, there's not enough of a paper trail with their families um, to be adopted and also because they're Native American and there's a lot of regulations about um, white people adopting Native American kids. Um, anyway, so those children are so in need of ongoing relationships, and that's the biggest thing that our group offered to them. Um, there are some youth groups that come and do big projects, and they put on a new roof, or they bring $10,000 and create a playground. Well, we've never been a group that has that kind of money, so we just come and bring our hearts. And we just really, really connect with those kids. And that's what the kids at the children's home need the most. That is it. That ongoing, consistent relationship to go two or three times a year and really just love on those kids and give them love and relationship outside of the small circle of um, the children's home. 
And then we also serve in Zuni, like I said, which is about 45 minutes away. The children's home kids, did I say, they're about 50% Navajo and 50% Zuni. Zuni Pueblo is um, a small Native American reservation, quite poor, um, lots of broken people, just like all of us, just broken people like all of us. But um, there's so much poverty that they don't have the resources um, to to take care of themselves, their families, their children. There's really not many places of business there in Zuni Pueblo. They would have to, to drive, you know, 45 minutes, an hour away to get work. So the poverty is just really, really harsh. And then that creates a lot of hopelessness and helplessness and apathy. So there are so many needs in Zuni, and there are needs that we can provide. We brought a trailer last year. We brought firewood. Um, and we'll, hopefully we'll be able to do that some this summer again with the kids, do some work projects and bring firewood in the trailer. Um, they have a great need for just clothing, shoes, that kind of thing. We've already been given a ton of clothing from what used to be the clothing closet, clothes closet in Luna Park. So we have a lot of clothing and shoes. Um, other needs that they have that we can all help with, and I would ask that, um, that you would either help with um, – cash <laughs> offering money to, that we can, as the youth group, go and help take care of things, provide things. And then also in the coming weeks, we're going to try to have some um, boxes or bins, or you can just bring things. I'm not sure how that's going to work. But um, the things that they need are the things that food stamps don't buy. So food is not an issue. In fact, there's they have plenty of food, and a lot of the people there in Zuni are struggle with being overweight because, of course, food stamps buys really unhealthy food, unfortunately. But they need things like toiletries, soap, shampoo, hand soap, um, laundry soap. Many of the families in Zuni do not have running water. Um, if they do, they don't have um, heat. They don't have, um, uh, what's the gas? Propane, yeah. They don't get their propane. They can't afford to get their propane tanks filled. And so it's re having running water, you know, is great, but then having heat, hot water is actually a luxury. So, like, we probably, a lot of us took a hot shower this morning or last night, and that's a luxury for most of the families in Zuni, for them to have enough money to put propane in their propane tank and have a hot shower. So sh soap, shampoo, laundry soap, they almost all go to, have to go all the way into um, Gallup, um, which is the nearest town where near where the children's home is, to do their laundry. So um, laundry soap that's maybe in small containers or, you know, easy to go back and forth with. Um, laundry baskets even, and then we can give those laundry baskets away with maybe laundry soap and things like that in it. Um, medicines is another thing, especially children's medicines, just over-the-counter stuff. Um, you know, Tylenol, ibuprofen, cough medicine, you know, little things like babies with um, that are teething. You know, they don't, they can't get Ambisol gel. You know, things that we just so take for granted. Our kiddo has a fever, we give them ibuprofen, you know, Motrin, whatever. They don't have that. And so things like that. If you could, you can just think through all the things that you use that food stamps wouldn't buy. Those are the really big needs in Zuni. So, yeah, we'll have some donation boxes or tubs or something out. And um, if you could think of that and start bringing things in. And I think we're also going to do an offering. <laughs> OK. 
Yeah, so you've gotten, um, I believe in your bulletin, you should have a little uh, envelope. If you want to um, give directly to Zuni, just make a note of that on the envelope, and we will take that. We're about to take offering now, so if the ushers could come forward, uh, we'll take those and our regular offerings now. tithes and offerings. Lord, we're grateful for so many blessings, and as Terry said, um, blessings we take for granted, um, and there's just so many things that we just live day to day that a lot of people don't have, and just down the road, um, we'll be able to bless some people with some of our things, so I pray you bless these offerings, these tithes, um, and let them go out and help build your kingdom on earth. In your name we pray. Right now we're going to watch a little video um, that kind of highlights the seniors. Um, and so yeah, slideshow that kind of highlights what things they're involved with, favorite verses, stuff like that. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence, and I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something
me from the inside I could be safe oh, I could be safe here in your arms and never leave home never let these walls down but you have called me higher you have called me deeper and I'll go where you will lead me Lord you have called me higher you have called me I had to. I'm sorry. I, when, when Sarah gave me those amazing pictures of what can only be described as a glorious mullet, um, I had to. I had to go to the 80s theme. I'm sorry. I don't even. I'm, <laughs> yeah, the mullet, mullet killed it, evidently. Um, yeah, I hope I still have a job on Monday for that. But it's good to be with you guys today. I've been asked to speak. Uh, to kind of bring this whole youth service thing home. Um, and I'm going to speak directly to our seniors. So where are you at? We got, we got them kind of scattered throughout. Um, I'm going to speak directly to the seniors today. Um, but I truly hope this is something we can all take something from. We're going to talk about choices. We're going to talk about how our faith influences those choices and how our choices influence the world around us. Um, but mainly, this is my chance to get it all in for these seniors that are going out. So it's my manifesto to the seniors. Um, but my main verses I'm going to be talking from out of is Hebrews 6, John 6. So if you want to make those marks in your Bible, we'll be coming back to them. Um, a huge thing for pretty much all of us, but especially these seniors, is going to be the choices that set up the pathways of our lives. Um, I'm sure these seniors are probably really tired of getting asked, what are your plans that are going to make those plans for the rest of your life? I remember that. You're probably, yeah, I see some head shaking. Um, but maybe even more annoying than that is the stress that some of these choices present on them. 
Um, this generation is going to have more choices, more options to choose from than any generation in history, more than their parents, more than their grandparents, more than their great-grandparents when it would have just been a few options, jobs, trades, take up the family business. But there's more choices now than ever before. But, and this is something we could be thankful for, you know, whether it's a major or a job or a career. Uh, we can be thankful for technology society opening up pathways, opportunities um, of, of routes to go with our lives. Um, and other choices are presented to you, like who are your friends going to be, wherever it is you're going, um, what groups are you going to be involved with, what church you decide to attend only if you moved 2,000 miles away. I think that otherwise you still have to still go here. You're, you're locked down to Woodland Park otherwise. In an article about limiting your choices by Brett and Kate McKay, they discuss the things that people feel like they miss out on when they choose one option and it negates the rest of the options. Those are called opportunity costs, right? But I think this generation has, some, has it called something else? FOMO, I believe, fear of missing out, is um, kicked around right now. So there's a lot of FOMO around, um, missing out on what might be or what other options there might be when you choose one over the rest. We all deal with these opportunity costs, though, but especially today when there's so many options. For example, you choose one major, the opportunity cost is the ones you won't be able to take. I tried to beat the system, though. I um, studied three subjects, but they still only gave me one degree. Um, all of those were pretty unconnected. Wouldn't recommend it. They call it the multidisciplinary degree, and I just call it the ADD degree, so make a decision. Um, now, before you think I'm just trying to depress you guys and, and give you FOMO um, or probably tell you things you probably already know, listen to this quote from the article on limiting choices on how most people deal with this. Unwilling to deal with potential trade-offs, most people decide the best course is to not choose at all with the idea that keeping as many options as open as possible offers the most freedom and the most happiness. But studies show it doesn't work that way. Studies show that doing things like getting married, being close to one's family, having good friends, and getting involved in churches all are connected with greater happiness and not less. While these commitments, they, they can't prove the happiness, it's interesting to think that while they limit your choices and freedom, they still offer greater happiness. So don't be afraid to make commitments and decisions as you go along because keeping the freedom of choosing isn't all that it's cracked up to be. I remember the anxiety I had making some of these decisions that, that kind of narrowed my path and, and took out some of my freedom. I think I finally came, to, in response to that anxiety, I finally came to the realization that God's love for me isn't based on my decisions. The decisions don't matter as much as being attuned to his will for my life. Because there's a point we're talking about making necessary decisions for our lives. And there's a point we're talking about listening to his will on our life. And this is hard to find. This is a tricky line to find. Because God's will leads us to his plan, which is really the only thing that ends up working out in the end. We're reminded of this by Proverbs 19.21. Let me find 
Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Or the much more optimistic proverb, Proverbs 14.12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Nothing, right? But listening to God's will for your lives is necessary for finding the right path because he's the one that created the pathway. Maybe you've heard the phrase of the blessing, may the road rise up to meet you. Well, God's will is a huge part of that. Because when we follow his will, we're working within God's plan for the world. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Because God's will never stops calling us to things that glorify him and stretch us beyond what we think we're capable of doing. We have a lot of great examples of people that were called and given even less to work with than what you, you guys probably have right now. Look at some of the examples through the Old Testament. Moses, who was a stutterer, was called to lead a nation of slaves out of Egypt. Abraham, who was called to just pick up and leave and start a new nation away from his home and his nation without any five to ten year plan that a lot of people out of high school have. David, who was the runt of the litter, who was the youngest and smallest of his family, who was called to defeat Goliath and rule Israel in its greatest days. Or there's Frodo, who was a hobbit. Just making sure you guys are listening. Thank you. Think about what all these guys had starting out with. Think about what you guys have now. Think about the passions you've been given the talents you have, the talents you've been blessed with. Think about the impact you can have following God's will on your life. Now, don't go thinking finding God's will for your life is really easy. Don't get it wrong. Most of us don't know God's will for our entire lives. We don't have a God's voice option on Google Maps directing us to where to drive next, right? But a lot of times we want to know five miles down the road when he only gives us the next few steps. In Francis Chan's Forgotten God, he has a chapter called Forget About His Will for Your Life, which he says that the energy and anxiety that we use on trying to figure out God's will for our entire life is getting at the wrong question. The question is, are we willing to submit to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is pushing us to today? even though it seems like a much smaller decision than a career path or, or even a school. Francis Chen writes, the decisions we make next year down the road will be greatly affected by how we submit to the Spirit in today's decisions. Because those decisions matter. And they're just as important in forming who we are as the big decisions that everyone asks about, that everyone talks about. All of this all of who we are, our decisions, and, and what form us to be who we are, we end up affecting the world around us, which is the other side of today's talk, because the days ahead are going to bring you by people that you probably already have, by people that don't believe the way that you believe. That might bring you into a, a debate with an unbeliever, and maybe you've already done this before, but I would, I would encourage you guys to do two things with that. Come, in, come into that setting. 
of, uh, of a debate with an unbeliever. Two things. First and foremost, don't turn from your faith when you're faced with adversity, persecution even. And second, don't meet that opposing person with anger. We, ne- we rarely know what has brought people to where and how they see the world. Listen to them. Speak the truth in love, which will leave much more of a convincing imprint on them than an argument. When you come into situations or, or people maybe even that, that will challenge your faith, be like the ship that's implied in Hebrews 6.19. I think you guys are familiar with that. We have this hope, hope of God. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I love that picture of an anchor for the soul because not only is it rooting us in God's hope, because with the picture of an anchor, you're not always in the same place. While you never leave a general area, you don't stay absolutely still. There's a little bit of gift to it. And in the same way, you guys aren't going to be the same exact person you are today. And I'm not saying I want your faith to be the same exact faith that it is today. Because this time in your lives, this is an opportunity to refine and strengthen your beliefs more so probably than any other time in your life. I know for sure that I made my faith my own during college. All the while remembering that Christ is the anchor for your soul. The reason I love the metaphor in Hebrews 6 is that if you keep Christ as the anchor for your soul and your life, the world around you might change, your friends might change, what you've learned or how you grow may all be different. But Christ remains constant. He's with you always, so why not make him your anchor? It makes me think of a, a story or, or basically a phrase from my brother. He, when the cancer came back in his life, he used a phrase that stuck with me. He said, this is going to be a new normal. And that's, it stuck with me because at the time it seemed so perplexing that cancer invading his life again is going to turn his world upside down. What about this is going to seem normal? But I got from that that the constants in his life stayed the same. The constants that mattered. That Christ remained constant through cancer coming back and his world turning upside down. And not only that, but his faith became strong. It was evident during that time. You guys are going to go through changes. You're going to go through experiences. You're going to go through things that change you and, and maybe your perspective a bit. But keep the constants that matter through it all. And your faith is going to be stronger in the end. One of the things you're going to be stretched with is, is you'll be around a lot of people maybe that don't believe what you believe, but also will push you to determine where you're out on a lot of things, whether it's current events or, you know, abortion or homosexuality or hard, hard questions like, why does God allow these things to happen to good people? And all of this may be really intimidating, but I think it comes down to something a lot simpler. I think it comes down to how you live today, back to making those day-to-day decisions the following God. The Christian values you commit to today will not only impact 
the way you see the world and, your, and where you stand on a lot of these things, but it's going to affect how the world around you sees you. For example, what you choose to do in a conversation with people who are just cutting people down will verify to an unbeliever what you believe in. In other words, if you're always cutting others down, do you really think an unbeliever is going to care that you say you're a Christian or because you're a Christian, what you believe on whatever topic? The way we live our day-to-day choices affect how we see the world and how the world sees us. Another reason I like the metaphor of Christ as an anchor for our soul is that Christ himself was never flashy. He was always grounded. He was always rooted in truth. Even after performing his miracles, Jesus tried to make sure people were aware of the deeper side of it all, the spiritual side of it. Not for the wow factor, not for just the impression a miracle left behind. John 6.26, I think we have that one. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Here Jesus is urging the crowds to look at something deeper than the miracle, deeper than just the physical food that they got, but the spiritual food, something that lasts forever. The truth is, seniors, you're going to want to impress people where you go, That doesn't change. You're probably even going to be pushed to conform to whatever culture it is that's around you. That's something we all can struggle with. But we have to stay rooted in what we know to be true. We have to stay humble like Christ was. He said himself would be in the least of these. And that to be a leader of all, you have to be a servant of all. Even after the miracle of feeding the 5,000 and probably blowing a lot of minds, John 6.15 says that Jesus, knowing that that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Keeping Christ as the anchor for your soul will keep us grounded in the truth, keep us humble, and allow us to see the world through his eyes. So thinking about the days and the years ahead, what are you planning on doing with this time in your life? Who are you going to be? Not your major, not your career choice, but who do you plan to be? Do you plan to experiment with everything? Learn from your own mistakes? Forsake the wisdom of your parents and church family behind? Or do you plan to get out of the boat and take a step in faith towards Jesus? Make this faith your own during this time. It's your time to choose on your own. And follow Jesus no matter what is around you, no matter what the pressure is to conform, no matter what the waves around you are doing, like we sang about this morning. It's, a route, it's another route entirely, and it's not an easy path. There's a reason it's the narrow path. There's a reason it's a road less traveled by because it's not going to be easy. But the good news is we're not called to do this alone. Not without God. Not without the church. One thing I would encourage you seniors to do is make sure you find a church wherever it is you're going that's going to go alongside you as you take this journey 
and make your space your own. During college, I waited too long. I waited <laughs> until junior year to be a consistent, involved person in the church. And, and don't, don't do it that way because it was whatever church wasn't the right fit. God doesn't call that church, that church, or that church to be the right fit. He calls us to be the church. We're called to be the body of Christ. And too many people put too many demands on the churches they see around them. Instead of asking, how will this church fill my needs? I think we should be asking, how, through this church, can I fill others' needs? Just don't feed into the high-maintenance American Christian stereotype that wants their church as specific as the Starbucks latte. Or Cafe Leo, wherever you go. Ariel's here, right? Guys, if you haven't had Ariel make you something new at Cafe Leo, where are you at? There she is. Go change that fact. She'll, she'll, do, she'll do you right. Another thing on top of finding a church is finding a mentor. Someone that will come alongside you. Someone you can go to with decisions and, and just Christian counsel. Make sure you find someone wherever it is you're going with that. Or maybe church, we're called to be that. Maybe we're called to be that mentor for someone in this stage in life that needs someone to come alongside them and show them an example of choosing Christ through all of our choices. Choices that glorify him. So what is it we're called to today? Whether we're 18, whether we're 80, God is still calling no matter what. He's calling us to make choices that glorify him. Choices that take us to scary places sometimes when we can only keep, see a few steps ahead. But we have a hope. We have a hope like an anchor for our souls in him who has called us. And he's with us every step of the way. You guys get all that? I know my sermon was all over the place, but I had one chance to get it all in for these guys who are headed out. This group who's going and going to do amazing things, building God's kingdom on earth. And I'm, I'm pumped to see it happen. Let's close out in prayer. Lord, we're thankful for the blessings that you bestow upon us and, and the lives that we live and hopefully the the foundation that we have in our lives that we can build upon and live from out of wherever we go, wherever it is you call us to. Lord, we know it's not always easy to find that calling or that direction, but Lord, let us listen to you in the steps, the next step and the next step, and give it to you as we give these seniors to you and that we know where they're headed going to be within your will. Be close to them. Let your voice be heard. In your name, amen. I'm not going to be the only pastor that doesn't give a blessing at the end, so I got one. Don't worry. Um, here, here goes one. My final prayer for you all is that as you make choices, as you strengthen your beliefs, as you make, have experiences that form who you are, that through all of that, you keep Christ as the anchor for your soul. And I pray he will bless you wherever he leads you and to whatever he has called you to. You guys stick around for the potluck. If not, we'll see you next week. You're dismissed.